Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Home and home. How do you know in life when to try to accept the next challenge, to get a raise, to take the next step or advance in your career versus being very happy and comfortable with what you have. These questions come up all the time in sports. And as John Beeline recently found out, halfway through his first season of a five-year contract with the Cleveland Cavaliers, the grass is not always greener. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to an all-new edition of Home and Home here on the Radio.com app or Radio.com slash home. It is a Radio.com sports original. I am Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, joined all week by Jason Mertides, the most well-known e-butt bug in the country. We established that yesterday he is the emergency backup to the emergency backup goaltender for the Philadelphia Flyers. Hey, there can only be one, and it is Jason Mertides. Jason, aren't you a little bit jealous or mad, speaking of grass being greener, that that Colgate dude took your spot as the potential e-bug? Like, you were the e-bug at some point, right? Was there a conversation? Did the Flyers say, hey, Jay, we appreciate you being our e-bug for some of these games, but we now have an official e-bug, and it's not you. It's Colgate, dude. Well, when they put in the official e-bug rule into the NHL, they actually, I think they held a tryout, which I did not go to. But I'm working at the game, too, so I'm part of the broadcast, so. It'd be weird for me to jump out of us. Oh, guys, I got to leave the broadcast and, and go put on some gear and maybe you can mic me up. <laughs> you know, that would be cool. That'd be different. Right. So maybe I can make the maybe I can make the case to become the e-bug because I can actually commentate the game as I'm getting scored on at the NHL level. Now, that would be, that cool. would be amazing. We could bug the e-bug. We could put yes. a mic in and bug. The e-bug, which I would absolutely... It's like the XFLing of the NHL. Just put microphones, cameras everywhere and see what happens. I love it. Uh, Speaking of loving it, that is not what John Beeline felt when it came to the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's interesting because this story is about a week old at this point. But to me, it's not even really a sports story. I feel like it's something that everybody in their own lives can relate to, which is how do you know when you got a good thing going and you should just stay there versus trying to take the next step or progress or move up or however it is that you phrase Or look at it. It's not easy. I've been there. I think you've been there, Jason. It sounds like Joe Burrow might potentially be there. We'll listen to what he says later on today at the NFL Combine as it relates to the Cincinnati Bengals and discuss that tomorrow. Although we'll just talk about the concept 
of him wanting to potentially be somewhere other than Cincinnati a little bit later. Matt Rule is another guy that made that move from college to the pros recently. But it clearly was an abject failure for John Beeline with the Cleveland Cavaliers. We'll talk to one of our guys from the ticket in Detroit and find out why he left Michigan in the first place. And you know, Jay, it's interesting because I think you and I are both assuming that John Beeline really regrets having left Michigan to go to the Cavaliers, but maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's like, dude, I did college for 40 years. I wanted to try the pros. Worst case scenario, I got a five-year deal, and I can get paid for four and a half years to do nothing and just move on in life, or if I want to, go back and and coach college ball. Yeah, guys like that aren't going to sit around and just collect the four and a half years. He's a coach. He wants to coach. Um, but a lot of guys, too, want to check the box. They want to know. They can't move forward in life. They're almost crippled, Ross, if they didn't give it a shot. Because otherwise, it just sits in the back of their head. Well, what if I I never made, I never took the leap. I never incurred the risk to try and coach the men, the best players in the world, in the greatest league in the world. And for some guys, they need to check that box. You see it in all sports. You see Steve Spurrier did it in college football. Um, as as an older coach, Chip Kelly did it as a younger coach. It didn't work. Didn't work for either. Some coaches do go from the college game and have success. And Matt Rule is he a guy that made the? He was like jumping lily pad to lily pad. Whether it was from Temple, he was an assistant, then a head coach at Temple, then to Baylor, and took over a program that had a lot of sanctions, but did a good job at Baylor. But then he got a seven-year contract in the NFL. Never have coaching coached in an NFL game as a head coach. Now, he was an assistant coach in the NFL. But that being said, that's a big commitment to a guy coming from the college game as well. So there's a leap here of faith, not only from Matt Rule, but there's also a leap of faith from the organization that signs a beeline or a Matt Rule to a contract up upwards of five or seven years. To me, there's a lot of risk in that as well. And it's surprising that it happens as often as, often as it does. So there is a lot of different layers to this. And I'm glad you just said what you said, because in the last few years, I got offered a job that was a a really good job. And maybe at some point in my life would have been like a dream job. And I really talked with a lot of people about it. I really debated it. And it's, it's funny because my wife, some of my closest friends, they looked at it like what you just said, Jay, which is, hey, y- you got to at least try it. If you hate it, at least you'll know, or if it doesn't go well, at least you'll know you gave it a shot and you can always come back and on some level, do what you were doing, right? Now, maybe not get the exact same job that I had, but I can probably come back and do what you're doing. And my wife, my wife thought I should do it. She's like, I, I think I just don't want you to have any, any, any regrets and wish you would have done it. You know, give it a try. What's the worst thing that can happen? I looked at it the other way. It happened to be a job in the afternoon. And uh, there would have been a decent commute involved for me. So I would have not been at any of my daughter's after school activities or really even put them to bed at night. And I just sat here and I thought, which am I? I? I make a lot of decisions like this, Jay, which is which am I more likely to regret? And mm-hmm. I just thought, I'll be, I'd be a lot more likely to regret missing my daughter's after-school activities and putting them to bed than I would having taken this job. Because maybe I can take a job like this later, but I can't ever get these days and nights back where they call me daddy and I put them to bed. Like that is, that, that's the best part of my day 
And I don't know how much longer it's going to last. And I want every single one of them. So I try to make a lot of decisions in my life about which one am I more likely to regret. And my wife thought, well, you're going to regret it if you don't take this job. I looked at it like I'm going to regret it if I miss any of this time with them. Plus, like, I love my life. I, I, I'm very, very happy. Like, if you're very, very happy, how much happier can you really be? Yeah, can you put hat? Can you make like happy to the the second power? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a math equation. Right. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like if you're in uh, if you're in jail forever, right? Like if you have lifetime a sentence for jail. Like, what's the worst thing that happened if you're in jail? Now you're really, really in for your lifetime. Now you have two lifetimes. Okay. Put it on my tab. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to pay it anyway. <laughs> well, you're just <laughs> stuck there. You, no, you're right. But it's interesting because there is there's personal regret and then there's professional regret. And you chose to not have personal regret, regret when it comes to your kids. So, like, you looked at it like when I'm laying on my deathbed, am I going to sit there and go, oh, my God, I didn't take that job? Or am I going to go, oh, my God, I took that job? And I, and I missed all these great things or these years went by without my kids and not experiencing and looking through their eyes. So good on you for the way you handled it, because a lot of people don't look at it that way. They measure themselves by professional success more than they measure themselves by personal, you know, being full in your personal life. Um, it's hard to do, though, because professional success is how you're looked at in, by your contemporaries. Right. And that's how we sometimes determine if we're happy or not, if people think we're successful or whatever. But uh, yeah, you, professionally for me, I've always been a guy that was no matter what I was doing, even if I was happy with what I was doing, I was always looking for the next thing to see if maybe that was better. You know, like I'd look at other people's job and go, you know, you look at somebody's job and you see the good parts of it, but you don't see all the warts. So you go, well, that'd be great to do that. But you don't see all the crap behind the scenes that he has to go through. So it always looks greener. Until you get there and you're like, man, this place is just as screwed up as the last place or more screwed up in the case of of Beeline. And maybe that's going to be the case for Matt Rule. Maybe Matt Rule goes and is a great NFL coach or maybe he stinks. I don't know. Only time will tell. But there's a risk involved. But you're right, though. When you're happy, can you compound happiness? Can you find a way, a place to be happier? That's the question. But there's a chance that you're going to find misery where you thought you may be happier. Yeah, you said it exactly right in terms of I, I honestly think about being on my deathbed mm-hmm. and I think about what will I have wish I did more or what would I be thinking at that point? Because that's really what matters, right? Like when you have clarity and you think about what's important, you know, what I think is interesting. I think our father's generation, you're 47, I'm 40, but I think our father's generation always told, always chose professional success. Like they always chose what was best professionally, probably because in a decent amount of situations, their wife or their spouse wasn't working. And also because back then, especially that was looked at as doing what was best for your family, right? Like taking a higher paying, more high profile, better job, was looked at as being what was better for your family in that instance. I feel like our generation is a little bit more split, but, and I'm fortunate to be in that position, but can look at it and say, you know what? No, like I am gonna, I'd rather be with my kids. I I don't, I, I don't, I don't care what other people think or perceive of me, or I have, I'm strong enough and confident enough that I don't need that job to validate who I am or what I'm doing. I really just need to validate it to those two little girls. And I feel like that is a decision that our dads would not have been able to make, but that a lot more guys in our generation, it's like this, I'll, I'll give you an example. Okay. My dad, every Saturday I can remember, Jay. So my dad would travel a lot during the week, whatever. He had a good, pretty good job. Um, 
So, I, you know, he traveled a bunch during the week. Didn't see him that much. Friday and Saturday night, he and my mom went out. They're partiers. That's fine. Saturday morning, my dad would get up at like 6 a.m. And he would golf with his friends every Saturday morning. They had a foursome, you know, when the weather was okay. And I would see him at the pool later on, maybe like 2.30, 3 o'clock, like after the round, after the 18th hole, after the whole deal. Like, I just don't feel like many guys in our generation, I, I can't imagine saying to my wife, like every Saturday morning at 6 a.m., peace, I'll see yep. you at 3. Like, what? Peace. You've been I'll gone all week. <laughs> oh my God. Like it, it is really, really changed. And I think that's a good example of how much things have changed. And I think for the better. Yeah. That that's like uh, the stone ages. Now, when you think like that, like, Hey, I've been gone all week. I'm the traveling salesman or whatever. But as soon as I get up Saturday morning, I'm going to golf with my buddies. Cause that's what we do as men. Right. It, it is totally changed. You're right. You know, I look at it now, like when I was younger, yeah, I wanted to climb to the top of the mountain and I wanted the, the biggest, best job you could get, maybe a corner office. Now I don't care. Now it's like, I, I don't need all the money in the world. I don't need the job with the most prestige. To me, it's more about quality of life than quantity of money or uh, accolades or something like that. So uh, that, that changes. And I think that's changing the world too. Also, I have a spouse that works. She makes money, so it's it takes a, a tremendous amount of burden off of me. She carries the health benefits. It's not the man that carries the health benefits. So um, the, the constant looking for the grass is greener thing is t it has changed for me as well. It's kind of like I just want to find something that fulfills me. I feel happy doing that. I know what I'm doing, and I'm good. You know, I don't need to make every nickel on the planet. As long as I can provide for my family, I'm good to go. You know, there's so much that, like, I feel like our poll question, which is, would you leave a top college coaching job for a job in the pros like John Beeline and Matt Rule? I feel like it's so dependent on so many factors. The Twitter handles at RDC, home and home. He's at Jason Mert, M-Y-R-T. I'm at Ross Tucker, NFL. Right now, the responses are yes, 35.1%, no, 34.4%, and it depends on the league, 30.5%. So it is a very tight poll right now. That's and a good I want to go back to something that you, it's a great poll. I want to go back to something you said, which is, you know, maybe John Beeline just wanted to, Try it. I mean, if you look, okay, he coached high school, then community college, then D3, then low D1, then mid-major D1, then West Virginia, then Michigan. I mean, this guy, for 30, 40-plus years, was working his way up. And I think a couple things. Number one... You probably want to test yourself at the highest level when you've been in the in, in the industry. You're 67 years old. You've been in it since you were 22, right? 45 years. Secondly, and these are the things we don't know, but maybe he just hated recruiting. Maybe he was just sick of recruiting. Maybe he's like, I'm 67 years old. Can I please stop? kissing these 16-year-olds' butts, right? Like, I just want to deal with grown men. And guess what? And I don't know. I'm assuming that that's probably part of his reason. Wow, did that backfire, right? Yeah. Like, in his mind, he probably, I imagine he wanted to test himself at the highest level. Probably was a great contract. But also, I bet you he was like, I'm kind of tired of dealing with these 15- and 16-year-olds and their parents and recruiting. I'd real I'd rather deal like coach some grown men. And wow, maybe you could argue that they're not really grown men, or maybe that Beeline didn't have a great handle for how to handle them because it backfired 
on a huge, huge level. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, too, Ross. Like, you look at it, you go, I, he's going, oh, my God, I've been doing this same spiel every year, going into some kid's living room and promising him the sun and the stars, and I'm just tired of doing this. Because if you do anything long enough, you start to go, hey, this really isn't that much fun anymore. It, I, it's, men are conquerors, right? We want to go do something, conquer it, and then go conquer something else and leave what we just conquered in ruins for nobody else to enjoy. I, I swear that that's like our DNA. It's that way, I think, in you know, in professional accomplishment. I think it's that way for a lot of men with women, <laughs> oddly enough. Um, but the part is, too, is that he gets to the NBA and he realizes, I got to deal with these men. I don't have the recruiting part of it. I got the five-star hotels, uh, you know, all the money in the world and, one of the, and the biggest sports league in the world that's a global phenomena. This has got to be great. And then imagine the moment when he realized, like, oh, shit, I made a mistake. Like, that's got to be one of those, an epiphany of, like, oh, my God, why am I still not sitting at Michigan? I had the cush job. I worked my way all the way up to that, to being on a, in a Big Ten school and a, a national powerhouse. And I took this risk for what, for this? And I'm an idiot because I took it with a team in Cleveland? Like, what's wrong with me? And you start to question everything about what you what your decision making. And it was the wrong decision. But there is a way to soften the blow. And that's the bank account. And he can probably go back and, co and coach college basketball. But there's also a thing, too. And, and I don't know if this would affect you, Ross, but it would affect me. I would feel like a little bit of a failure. I'd be like, oh, I went and I just and I flamed out. I flamed out magnificently quick. I flamed out. And to me, I would carry that around and be like, I would be embarrassed that I got to that league and, and, I, and I just, I couldn't cut it. I think that was embarrassing for Steve Spurrier when you get there. And you just kind of like, oh my God, I went there and it, I couldn't do it. They found something I couldn't do because coaches at that level before that happens, they, they sit there and they think they can do anything. And when you find out you can't do something, it's, it's pretty humbling. Yeah, so you make it's real. I think it depends on where you are on some level too, because for both Beeline and Rule, okay, let's think. Let's pretend Rule, his situation in Carolina goes as bad as it went for Beeline in Cleveland. If you look, I mean, best case scenario, you go to the next level, you love it. You're coaching well, you're you're getting extensions, you're going to playoffs, blah, blah, blah. But let's look at worst case scenario. From a business standpoint, worst case scenario, number one, both these guys know that they, they took their shot at the pros. They, they took their shot. Number two, they have a lot of money to fall back on. And number three, what I think is interesting about our poll question is that when you leave a top college job for the pros, even if you flame out in the pros, you can always go back. Like, think about Spurrier. You just said it. He went back to South Carolina and was fine. Chip Kelly, he ended up going. He's at UCLA right now. So, like, beeline and rule. And beeline, maybe he'll have to wait till next year. But with the success he had at West Virginia and Michigan, if he wants to, he's at the top of a lot of open jobs after this season. And the same with Matt Rule whenever he be done with the NFL. So it's almost like you can have your cake and eat it too. Like you can, you can go back to that level. Maybe not the same exact school, but you can go back to a similar situation Whereas if you stay at your similar situation, if you stay at your college and things start to struggle, then you're kind of shit out of luck. Well, for Chip Kelly, it was a little it's a little different to me. I think he left Oregon, got exposed in the NFL and is still getting exposed back in the college game at UCLA because I just think he's a donkey of a coach. But that being said, you're right. Beeline can go back. You're right. Sperrier went back. Look at, you know, look at. Some of the great college coaches, college football. Look at Nick Saban. He went to the, the Miami Dolphins. And look what he's doing now. Uh, he's fine. He checked the box and said, I want to try to go to the NFL. Went to the Dolphins. It didn't work out. 
boom, he's back at Alabama and, and he's winning national championships and has the, one of the elite programs in the country. So there was guys like that. There's, there's very little risk because a, you're going to get paid from the NFL or the NBA or the pro team. And if you want to go back, every door is open to you. There's teams that would fire their coach to hire beeline. Now there's teams that would have fired their coach to hire Nick Saban. If he did it again, there would, you know, Penn state would fire uh, Franklin if all of a sudden Matt rule became available and could become the Penn state head coach because he's a state college kid. So um, yeah, there's risk involved, but it's, it's a hard thing to, to say no to when it comes to coaching in the top league in the world. But it's also a hard thing to say no to because just as human nature, you know this, Ross, in human nature, we're curious people. So we always think that, well, it's got to be better there, right? I'm living this and, you know, I'm a deserving person, but there's got to be something better than this, right? So you got to try it. And sometimes you get there and you go, man, that was an idiotic move to leave position A to try out position B. Maybe it was more money or whatever. But sometimes it's an idiotic move to do it. Well, and it's interesting because I, I, I've spoken with both David Shaw and Pat Fitzgerald about this, okay? And Pat Fitzgerald a couple of times. These guys are making a lot of money at Stanford and Northwestern. They are the kings of their campus, right? Like they are, they run the show there. They're not only head coach, they're the GM mm-hmm. and team president, if you will, of their college programs. And they are dealing with some great kids, right? Like the kids that choose to go to Stanford and Northwestern are really bright kids. They love football, but they realize there's more to life than football. They have aspirations other than football. They go there because they want to play in the Big Ten or the Pac-12, but they also want to get that degree. I remember asking Pat Fitzgerald a couple years ago when LaFleur got hired, if he was going to interview with the Packers, because there were a lot of rumors that he was going to. And he said... Now he's like, how can you be happier than happy? I'm happy. And I can see that, man. Like, I mean, let me just say on the record, I'm open to anyone that might have any um, opportunities for me. But, like, I am really happy, right? So I, it would have to be something unbelievable to get me to leave or move or change my life the way it is right now. And I think Pat Fitzgerald kind of looks at it that way. And you know what? Beeline probably just reinforces things. Like, do I really want to go and have to worry about salary caps? Do I really want to go and have to worry about this agent or, you know, this guy's mad about playing time and all these guys, or can I just coach these awesome young men and hopefully have a positive impact on their lives while still making millions of dollars to do it. Now, the flip side would be at at Northwestern and Stanford, you're never winning the national championship. You're not. So on some level, Jay, it's like you are limiting what your accomplishments can be when that wouldn't be the case in the NFL or maybe even a higher profile college job. Yeah, like Beeline's the cautionary tale, but how cautionary is it? Because his bank account's pretty cushioned at this point. But yeah, you're right. And the other thing is, too, is, you know, you you said, like, hey, I'll, if anybody has an offer, I'll take it. I'll look at it. But I am really happy. But, you know, you don't know if you can be happy or may, Are you happy or are you content? You know, you don't know that sometimes. You go, well, I'm happy. I'm pretty sure I'm happy. But would I be happier if I was making double what I'm making right now? Would I be happier if I was the king of a college campus as a football coach? Would I be happier if I was running an NFL team? That's where that's where you start to question things because you don't you go, yeah, I th- I'm happy. I'm happy with what I do. Um, I spend time with my family. I make a decent living. I don't stress over money. I don't live paycheck to paycheck. So I feel pretty good. But man, if somebody could come and double that money, I think I'd be happier. So you do have to look at it and. You know, when somebody knocks on your door, you do get intrigued. And 
when they're trying to get you to do a job or take a new job, they're going to sell you the sun and the stars. And then, then you're really questioning, well, is it money that's going to make me happy? Is it spending more time with my family that's going to make me happy? Is it not changing? Am I going to regret not going for it professionally? Because what comes with that money, what I could do for my family both now and in the future, there's so many variables to it. But you're right. Like David Shaw is such a smart guy. Um, I've talked to him before as well at Stanford. And it's like he, he just seems content because he knows he has smart kids that he can set up for the future. And if the NFL is a part of that, he's great for that part of it. But if the NFL is not a part of that and they want to be an engineer, he's great for that as well. So I think he is like fulfilled with what he's doing, even though he'll never win a national championship. Speaking of Matt Rule, there is some new news as it relates to the Carolina Panthers and their quarterback situation that may or may not affect Joe Burrow as well and is very interesting coming on the heels of a letter to season ticket holders from new Panthers owner David Tepper. I will explain when we come back. We also will talk to Will Birchfield in about 15 minutes about the decision that John Beeline made to leave Michigan for Cleveland. But first, I want to tell you about five-hour energy. Because anyone who travels frequently, like normal co-host Dave Briggs, in Peru right now, knows how tiring it can be. Whether you're on business or on vacation in Machu Picchu with the Incas, a five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. With zero sugar, four calories, and a convenient portable size, it's the perfect pick-me-up for busy, hardworking people. Now it comes in two great extra strength tropical tastes, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They are delicious and can take you to a tropical on-the-go experience. Five-hour energy shot helps you stay alert, energized, wherever you may be headed. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. So here is the kind of breaking news, Jason, as we welcome you back in here to Home and Home, the Radio.com Sports Original, always available on the Radio.com app. Just search home or Radio.com slash home. We are with you 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time live, video, and audio, and always available on demand later on in the day. And we have less than five minutes of commercials or downtime per hour. Nobody else is doing that. Why would you listen or watch anyone else? Here is the news from Ian Rappaport that just got tweeted during the show, Jay. A lot can still happen in the coming months. By the way, I'm Ross Tucker. He's Jason Mertides filling in for Dave Briggs. Anyway, it's probably kind of important. Anyway, as of now, the Panthers are moving forward with Cam Newton as their starting quarterback, sources say. While his foot is healing well, it will be several months until it's game ready, a timeline that complicates any potential trade. This, to me, Jason, is really the only way to go because how do you trade a guy that's not healthy? 
I don't know what other team is going to say, we want Cam to be our starter, not knowing what his health situation is. And Carolina, by the way, needs a starter. He's not that old yet. I think it makes sense to give him this year with a new coaching staff to see what he can do because what else are you going to do? You can't trade him. Well, yeah, you, you cannot trade Cam Newton now because his value is so profoundly affected by two things. One, obviously, the fact that he's not healthy and nobody's going to give you the proper package with those question marks. But his stock is also down as a quarterback, an elite quarterback in the NFL, because he's so many years now removed from that MVP season where they went to the Super Bowl. But And Ross, I have no idea what he is. You know, there, there's a question in my head is, is he just a guy that's not a winner? Is he a guy that's too selfish of a player? Uh, there's some baggage there. So they got to put him with this coaching staff and see what they can get from him. And then they got to figure out what they want to do. This is a really important year for Carolina to figure out what they have in Cam Newton, if they can, if they should move forward with him. And if they can't or won't and don't want to, you got to trade him and see what you can get for Cam Newton. Um, no matter what, if you decide to move on from them, you're not going to get the value that you'd hope for because teams are going to know that you're trying to get rid of them, which lessens the value and you lose your, you know, you lose any kind of leverage in any kind of negotiation with a team if they know you have to get rid of them. So it's going to be really interesting because, you know, he comes out of Auburn and he just this elite athlete, but, and got to a Super Bowl and had a great season that year. But ultimately Cam Newton's been a bit of a disappointment. He'd have to say. Yeah, and if you think about it, okay, first of all, they only have to pay him $18.6 million this year, and his cap hit is $21 million. That's like half of what guys get now. Yeah. You know, at the top of the market, that's like half of what, 18.6, that's probably going to be half of what Dak Prescott gets on an average per year basis. And he's 30 years old. And the trade value is so low right now. I'd rather take him for a spin. I'd rather see what he can do. 30 years old. Now, I got to be honest with you, Jason. I do not envision Cam Newton having a great second act of his career. I just think he's been too beat up. His style of play and the amount of punishment he's taken as the best power and short yardage runner we've ever seen at the quarterback position. I think it's taken its toll on him. And I don't think he's overly effective without having that in his repertoire. So my guess is it's probably one and done in Carolina under Matt rule for him. But if I'm Matt rule, I'm not giving away for peanuts. Not when he costs that little and who knows, maybe he's fully healthy and maybe he can get back to MVP form. I take him for a spin this year, and if he's great, then maybe you try to do an extension. If he's terrible, well, then guess what? Maybe you have a chance to draft Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields in 2021. Well, that's part – you know, this is funny how this kind of is coming full circle now with the beeline conversation. The fact that Matt Rule got a seven-year contract affects his decision on probably how he wants to handle that. If he's in the NFL on a four-year deal in his first job – He's going, I need Cam Newton. I got to win right away. But because he has a lot of rope here in Carolina, Matt Rule is going to go, okay, let me take Cam for a spin. If it doesn't work and we stink this year, look, I, they're committed to me long term. I'm good. I'm going to be here for a while. Then I'll try and get Trevor Lawrence. I'll move forward and try and get the guy and I'll rebuild from there. But in the meantime, I got a 30-year-old quarterback. That's not old. And you're right. He has taken a beating more than any other quarterback in the NFL uh, in the last five, six years. I mean, just absolutely crushed a, because of the way he plays the game and gets out of the pocket and initiates contact, but also just the hits from a porous offensive line. So you look at it, Ross, and you go, okay, Matt rule has a little bit of latitude here to move some things around. A lot of times, first time head coaches look at the giants, Ben McAdoo lasted what a year you better. They're, they're of the mentality of I better win now, or I could be out real quick. Matt rule and his contract situation allow him to have the latitude to be able to take a look at Cam Newton, see what he can do, see if it's something he can work with and salvage Cam Newton's career for a, a great second act. And if they can't, they can move on. Or 
So uh, he's got, he's got the best of both worlds and Matt Rule right now. And you're right, you can't trade him away. He has very very little value. And by the way, the other speculation that's been out there regarding Joe Burrow maybe somehow trying to manufacture his way to getting to Carolina with Joe Brady as coach at LSU. Joe Burrow is talking with the media right now and was asked almost immediately about playing for the Bengals. And his response was he will happily play for the Bengals. So let's take a listen to exactly what Joe Burrow just said when he was asked about it. Or maybe not. We'll we'll get back to that sound. I thought we had that sound. Well, he was uh, really convincing that. that he wanted to play there. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway. Yeah, I'm not going to not play. Um, I'm a ball player. Whoever picks me, I'm going to go show up. So there you go. Uh, I'm not going to not play. Whoever picks me, I'm going to show up and play. He'll well, happily play for the Bengals. <laughs> By the yeah, way, was, hey, I want to play for Cincinnati, said no one ever. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. That, by the way, is the right answer. And if you don't feel that way, let it be known behind the scenes. Like, yeah. let your agents say to them, hey, he really doesn't want to be there. And he's going to make that very clear. If you guys, if it looks like you're going to draft him. You, you, you might want to consider taking Chase Young or trading out of that or doing something else. I don't think it should be Burrow saying that publicly because it just doesn't – it's just not a good look for him. It doesn't help him. No, let the agent do the dirty work, absolutely. But, I mean, look, it's Cincinnati's earned the right through sucking to be able to draft Joe Burrow. But if he doesn't want to be there, I mean, well, it's it, – the players hold all the cards here and it's a shame because how's a team supposed to improve when they've earned the right by stinking to get that pick. And he's the best quarterback for, for that team. And just because he doesn't want to play there because they've stunk in the past, it's, it's weird Ross to me. I don't like it. I don't like players determining where they go in a draft um, because it, it's not how it's supposed to be, but it is a, it is the reality of the situation. But if you're Cincinnati, you got to look at it and go, if the guy's going to be here and be, you know, and sulk around, how good is that for us? And unfortunately, the players have been empowered in pro sports so much that, you know, maybe he doesn't up there. Maybe his small hands end up in Carolina. We'll see. So it's going to be interesting. We had the whole grass is greener conversation. Evidently, Jason, for Joe Burrow, the grass isn't necessarily greener somewhere other than Cincinnati, or at least he's thought about it enough that he's not going to publicly make it clear that he thinks the grass is greener and wants to be somewhere else, which I'm kind of with him on that because, number one, you can't control it. Number two, Mike Brown and the Bengals are the last franchise I would mess with in that regard because Mike Brown doesn't do logical things. Number three, where would he go or be able to dictate dictate that he goes that's so much better? The Miami Dolphins, the LA Chargers, maybe the Carolina Panthers. I mean, my point is he'd have to really like, though it would be one of those teams because I don't think the Bengals would move down any more than that. And so, are they really that much better than the Bengals? Any of those situations? Well, cities are better. <laughs> Aren't they? I like Cincinnati, by the way. I think Cincinnati's awesome. You're the one? You're, You're the one that likes Cincinnati? There? Unfortunately. It's just kind of, it's a like city. It? It's just a city. Where's the teeth? There's no teeth to Cincinnati. What is it known for? It's known for uh, Procter & Gamble. Kroger. Okay. You got to keep digging. That's not selling um, me, Ross. What, what was the uh, radio station mo- TV show with Lonnie KRP? Anderson? 
Yeah, yeah. WKRP. Yeah. No, I'm out. Cincinnati. If I'm looking um, for a new radio gig, I'm not going to WKRP. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like Cincinnati. I got some buddies that live there, so maybe I've seen parts of it that other people haven't because I I, I enjoy it quite a bit. So, you know, that was going to be a big storyline, how he handled that. He didn't, though, it, it still wasn't exactly, to your point, a ringing endorsement. No, it was total just, I'll play, you know, I play, I'm going to play. Can we play the cut again, actually? I want to hear the cut again because yeah. – it wasn't exactly long or very memorable, but let's play it again. Here's Joe Burrow. Yeah, I'm not going to not play. Um, I'm a ball player. Whoever takes me, I'm going to go show up. Yeah, whoever takes me, I'm going to go. That was not a ringing endorsement. I mean, if a ringing I'm endorsement I'm a ball goes, player. Yeah. Whoever takes me, I'm going to go show up. Yeah, that's not a yeah. ringing endorsement. If he would have said, yeah, I'm going to go to Cincinnati, and you know, I wanna, I'm going to build this thing up, and we're going to be great, and – you know, give me something. He didn't give you anything. He doesn't want it. You can tell he doesn't want to be there. And I get why he doesn't want to be there. It's not a sexy city. If you're in South Beach, now you got something, right? Or even, look, San Diego or is Cincinnati really sexy? That's kind of like vanilla ice cream. It's not even vanilla bean. It's just like Bobo vanilla ice cream. Like not even Turkey Hill or Briars, you know? I'm with you. We have an Ask Reddit question that you and I both answer. Today, it is, what is a smell that is gross to others, but something you don't mind or actually enjoy? Jason. I have a couple of these. Um, Number one, I love the smell of a hockey locker room. Now, it is foul. But I don't know. It's just there's a comfort in it. It's like sweaty equipment. You probably have you probably like that, too, Ross. It brings you back to your playing days like a locker room has a smell. So anytime I go back to like a high school or college locker room, especially high school or college, and you walk in and you smell that there is like it's a terrible smell. Yeah. But it also brings back good memories. You're like Pavlov's dog. Yes. Yeah, I'm kind of <laughs> with you on that one. There's All a right. little bit of a bleach in that one too, right? There, because they bleach the floors and stuff like that. It's like bleach and equipment, and sweaty equipment, that smell mixture. Um, so that's one for me. Um, like I love the smell of gas, but doesn't everybody love the smell of gasoline? Um, I don't mind it. I don't okay. know that I love it, but I don't. I don't mind. I don't think people dislike it. Uh, I mean, the first one for me is pretty obvious. And I think this is everybody. My own farts. I like the smell of my own farts. Whereas I like everybody the smell else. Of yours. <laughs> well, 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 everybody else doesn't like it. My wife and daughters, oh, daddy, that's gross. But doesn't bother me. I kind of like the smell of my own farts. I think everybody does, right? I don't know that you like it. I think it's like you're, you're enamored by it, but you don't let... Like, you go, oh, my God, it's horrible. But you're curious to see what kind of potency you have on a given day. Do you really, like, for your own farts, do you really say, oh, man, that's awful? I've never done that. I, like, oh, it's I actually, like, the worse it smells, the more I'm like, I did proud. that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did that. I did that. Yeah, yeah I, I think everybody likes the smell of their own farts. Is there anybody out there that doesn't like the smell of their own farts? So I feel like I mean, that I've, one almost doesn't count. I've I've gone and go like, oh my god, I have such bad gas today that I almost made myself barf. So the other two top responses on Reddit, the top two responses were gasoline and my own farts. Those were really? literally the top two responses. Some other answers were skunks and cigarette oh. smoke. Nah. Oh. nah, I don't nah, like either both. one of them. I will say, I'll give you one that's going to surprise you. My answer, because I didn't think farts would be allowed. My answer is manure. You like, okay, there's a lot of people that do. Like if I'm driving in Lancaster or where my wife's from, if I'm driving in the country 
and there's that smell of manure. Initially, I'm like, ugh. But then it's like, I don't know, it like grows on me. And I think, you know what? I kind of like it. And I, and I think it's because I like being out in the country. I, I like farmland. I like space and those areas of the country. Like, I, I enjoy that. So I think it's almost like the locker room smell in that sense, more so than the actual smell, if that makes any sense. Again, it's your association. The smell doesn't please you because manure smells like what? Shit. You like smelling shit is what we're finding out. You're a huge admirer of the smell of shit. We should get you a job at a sanitation plant. Maybe the grass is greener there, Ross. I wonder if uh, Jordan Cohn, one of the millennials, he went to college in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Now, he was kind of in the city, but I wonder if he uh, ever uh, had to smell manure in college. He did, by the way, very important note today, average 20 a game in intramural basketball. He went out of his way to let me know that earlier on our private Slack channel. How much of a loser are you if you remember how many points you averaged in intramural basketball? Yeah, that's that's weak. Maybe he can be the e-bug of uh, intramurals. I mean, that is sad. I dropped 20 a game in intramurals. Dude, dude. I mean, <laughs> even if it's true, you can't say that. You can't no. be, I dropped 20 a game in intramurals guy. If you play oh D3, my okay. gosh. Now, the manure thing oh real quick, I, I live in Chester County, which is outside of Philadelphia, and there's a town named Kennett, and it's the mushroom capital of the world. And we know what mushrooms grow in your favorite thing, Ross, shit. So when you drive through Kennett, Pennsylvania, and my parents lived on the other side of that from where I live, it was horrible. Like in August, when it's humid, it was like you were driving a porta potty with wheels down the highway for 20 minutes. It was so bad. The kids would be gagging in the back seat, and there was nothing pleasurable about it. I know some people do agree with you. They like the smell of manure because it's an association thing. I think it smells awful. I'm out on manure. I'm out on a porta potty. I'm out on farts. I'm not enjoying any of that. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.